And welcome uh, back in to the Going Overtime Wrestling Podcast here on InsideSTL.com. And, uh, well, this segment going up on 590 The Fan during uh, Going Over this Sunday during our SummerSlam preview. I am Joe Roderick alongside John Marisek. And, John, because it is the SummerSlam preview show, we, we, needed, a, uh, we needed a third guy to, uh, to come in. The third man, if you will. And we welcome in from the uh, Something to Wrestle With podcast from the What Happened When with Tony Schiavone podcast. He is the podfather. He is Conrad Thompson. Conrad, what's going <laughs> on, man? I'm good, dude. Thanks for that intro. I appreciate the opportunity to come on with you guys. I, uh, I, I don't know when you have time to, uh, to do your actual day job of selling mortgages with the amount of work that you're, you're putting in, the three hours a week with, uh, with Bruce and that uh, the show with Tony keeps getting better and better every week as well. That's something we really didn't talk much when we had John back here in June. But I, I ran out of uh, I ran out of something to wrestle with podcasts, and I started listening to the What Happened When podcast, and now I'm hooked on those too. Well, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, it took a little while, but I think Tony's finally getting comfortable with me and what we're doing, and I think each show is better than the last. We've we've hit a rhythm a real rhythm lately. We have the same relationship with Tony and with Bruce. This is what I love. And I told you this when we talked, when you were here, uh, when you did the show, uh, when you jumped on the air on the radio with us on the phone, that the, that you guys are so comfortable with each other that you can beat each other up and walk away with a smile on your face. And how do you develop your relationship with Tony? Does not go back like 15 years? How are you able to cultivate these quick relationships and get people to feel that comfortable with you? Well, it's just my personality. You know, I mean, everything I do, I do lighthearted and kind of half-fast joking and just smart-ass, you know, sort of busting balls. And, you know, that's an opportunity for me to do that with these guys. And either you get that type, that type of humor or you don't. And very quickly, people realize, okay, that's just, you know, Conrad's personality. He's just trying to get a rise out of me, but never in a mean-spirited way. And, and once they get that, man, life's a little easier. You know, going back, I've I've started now teaming up the actual listening of the podcast to the shows that you guys are are actually talking about. I I really enjoyed sitting and watching the uh, the 99th Nitro the other day while listening to you and Tony talk about it. And I just started on SummerSlam '96. When you go back and you watch these, and John, I mean, you you and I talk about this as well. But going back and watching just how different everything was back in '96 and how bad some of it was too now that you're talking about it you know 20 years later is is something else it really is and i think it, it works as a reminder to everybody who complains about the current product and oh everything's terrible oh everything's awful you know i encourage the people to go back and look at the stuff they remember so fondly and i think most of the time they realize oh those were rose colored glasses this is okay but it's not the greatest thing ever and and that's that's certainly been my experience i think there's something good on every show then now, now forever roll tide <laughs> it's fa- it is fascinating to watch how now that you know what the end result was or what the payoffs were to see how the build ups hear the behind the scenes and then also watch as it unfolds and be able to look back and maybe understand why things were done one way when you thought that they were a terrible idea at the time or vice versa. It's, it's a fascinating that the WWE network and, uh, and I can tell everybody Conrad's podcasts are tremendous complimentary pieces. One without the other. I don't think one can exist without the other. You each make both better than what they would be individually. 
I appreciate that. You know, in a perfect world, they'd offer some sort of adult version of the WWE Network, and they would let, you know, guys like me get on there and do like a pop-up video of sorts over the old stuff, and I think it would create content that people never got tired of seeing because, you know, they may discount something they saw back then and say, oh, I don't really remember liking that. And they'd go back and watch it just because there's new information with it. And I feel like that's what our podcast has kind of accidentally become. Well, think of it like a Mystery Science Theater 3000, but with an actual broadcaster or a behind-the-scenes guy and you going through a show or going through a pay-per-view with the video right in front of you would be amazing. It would be. And, and that's kind of what we've, we've tried to do with the podcast that, you know, one day WWE allows something like that to happen because I do think that there's a big appetite for that. That's Conrad Thompson joining John and I here on the Going Overtime Wrestling Podcast. Uh, Going to talk a lot about SummerSlam, the upcoming on Sunday. For those of you that are listening to it on InsideSTL.com in a few days, and those of you that are listening to it on 590 The Fan, coming up later tonight, the six-hour extravaganza that will be SummerSlam with the two-hour pre-show and then the four-hour actual event and you, you mentioned you know knowing the end result and seeing how why things were done leading up to it I guess that's where we are right now seeing all of the you know the matches and it kind of you know we could run through the whole card but I, I think you start at the main the, the main matches and Conrad John and I talked about this last week there are so many big names on this card but it doesn't feel like the puzzle pieces all match as far as how to make it work. Like, I'm, I'm a big fan of Shinsuke Nakamura. I'm a big fan of what Jinder Mahal's doing with this character. It doesn't seem like it's right to have them face each other this Sunday. Yeah, I think a lot of people agree with that, but I do think it's a, it's a real test. You know, it, is Shinsuke only capable of having really great matches with other really great performers who work a similar style? Or can he adapt to a Jinder Mahal style and still get a great match out of it? And Jinder Mahal, you know, has really good matches with WWE-style performers, but how good of a match can he put on with a strong-style performer? I think, you know, it's the old UFC adage, styles make fights, and we're going to find out with that, with that matchup for sure this Sunday. Yeah, that, uh, that, that's one of the, you know, I, by the way, what are your thoughts on the way Jinder Mahal, is, his title run is, is going so far? I mean, we just saw... You know how, how SmackDown ended the other day. He he got a clean finish without the Singh brothers. I, I mean, well, he I mean I, I shouldn't say clean finish, but he he did get a pin without the Singh brothers' help and walked out of SmackDown with the uh, with the title even after Baron Corbin tried to cash in. I like it. You know, I I don't understand. You know how so many fans aren't really giving it an opportunity. I, but I enjoyed the JBL character too, and I feel like a lot of guys online sometimes want. A superstar has to be a superstar forever, and he can never lose. But if you're a guy who's lost, then you can never be champion, and you can never win. And that's not the way it is. You know, I mean, it wasn't that long ago. The Rams were in the Super Bowl. Nobody's going to confuse them for being there this year. <laughs> Very fair. I don't, and then there's the, the, the group of the piss and moan that John Cena's around or Randy Orton's around. It's the same guys. It's the same guys. And now Jinder Mahal's in there. Totally different. Very old school in that he never seems to win without cheating as a heel, which I absolutely love. And people get pissed off about it. Well, uh, we can't have him win either. It's, there, there is no winning. There's always going to be somebody and something to bitch about. I, I think, it, you know, part of the 
fun with wrestling now is to armchair quarterback everything. And I think a lot of people really enjoy the how and the why more so than the what. And they want to know, you know, why things are happening the way they are. And they, they always feel like they could do it better. And, and that's what makes it such a unique form of entertainment because you don't see this type of armchair quarterbacking with a breaking bad or an Ozark, but you do see it with WWE. There's that blurred line of whether it's real or whether it's not, which Joe and I get into arguments about all the time with you know, the death of kayfabe and the way that guys behave on social media versus how they want to be perceived in the ring and how the, the lines are, have become so, so blurred. And the fans seem to, you know, the whole thing to me is just kind of a mess. Con- Conrad, do you follow Braun Strowman on Instagram? No, I don't have Instagram. I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not doing what the kids are doing. I guess I'm behind. <laughs> he on Instagram. He is. He's clearly on there under his real name, Adam Share, and he is always posting stuff either with workout buddies or the big ass meals that he's eating to stay as large as he is, or just backstage stuff. I think it's great because it. I really feel like he has that personality that. One day we'll see, kind of like a, a big show that, you know, yeah, he's a monster, but he's also pretty damn funny. John hates it. John can't stand the fact that this monster is out there on, on social media having a good time with his life. So that's that's where I kind of look at it, and it, it gives me something to look forward to, I guess. I'm looking, you know, five years down the line, wondering what kind of character development they could have for a guy like Braun Strowman. Yeah, I mean, certainly the sky's the limit. You know, there's no telling you know, what, what his acting chops are or what his comedic chops are. I think a lot of people have already forgotten that he debuted on TV as a rosebud with Adam Rose. And, you know, it's kind of funny to think about him dancing out to the ring now, but he did. And so I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, how that character evolves and, and what we'll see 10 years from now. Outside of the big fatal four-way and the title match we just discussed, what is, is, is there another one down that card that you're really looking forward to seeing? You know, it's hard to say. Um, I am looking forward to seeing the AJ Styles match. I feel like that's kind of caught my attention almost by accident. Uh, and, and I think there'll be a really good, I think this is a little bit of a sleeper because there's been so many people who say, oh, it's not that big of a card. You know, it's got all the names, but I don't really care about any of the matches. And I think when you have those lowered expectations like that, shows will surprise you. You know, some of the best movie experiences I've had is when I went in with really low expectations and I came out thinking, holy crap, that was awesome. But some of the worst experience I had is when all my friends would tell me it's the greatest movie ever. Yeah. And I come out disappointed. And I do feel like, you know, managing expectations is the key to our enjoyment. And so I, I think this SummerSlam is going to surprise a lot of folks. Before we move on to the, the rest of the card, I did want to get your thoughts quickly on Baron Corbin not cashing or unsuccessfully cashing in Money in the Bank on Tuesday night. I love it. You know, I think it becomes too too predictable if they only cash in on pay-per-view and they always win you need guys who are going to cash them in on tv and i would even take some cash ins on a house show and sometimes they win sometimes they don't that's real life but if it becomes you know something where they always cash in and they're always successful and it's always on pay-per-view it kind of defeats the purpose you know behind the the old creation of money in the bank it's supposed to be spontaneous and a surprise uh, if it becomes paint by numbers it's it's anything but that. See, I like the idea of adding some more surprise elements at house shows because the TVs have gotten built to a point. I mean, they come here. 
and they'll bring one or two TVs a year and two house shows every year. And the house shows come around and everything's like, hey, do you guys want to go to the house show? I got free tickets. Eh, it's not on TV. Nothing big's going to happen. But there was a time. And it did happen at the Garden with AJ and with Kevin, which I thought was odd. But at the same time, it's like, you know, that's cool that you could actually show up at a house show and see a surprise, see a title change. There were times when that happened all the time. Well, and, and I like that. You know, if I'm honest with you, I prefer a house show over TV. If if the WWE were to bring, you know, Raw or a pay-per-view to my town, of course I'd still try to go. But I have way more fun at a house show. I think the matches are better. I think they do a better job with crowd interaction. You know, they're playing less to the camera and more to the crowd, which is me. I mean, I paid to sit here so you would interact with me, not necessarily the black rectangle on the corner of the apron. And... Yeah, I enjoy a house show. I think it's a much better live experience to take a kid to or a family to. I agree completely, especially more than a, than a Raw or SmackDown. Where you, so you don't have two minutes every ten minutes where you're, the show just stops. And you just sit there in the dark waiting on something to happen. And the, you, they run commercials about Boost Mobile. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Not shooting for that, uh, that sponsorship for the, uh, for the podcast, huh? Yeah, Boost Mobile can kiss my ass. How's that sound? <laughs> we only we only want winners on something to wrestle. If the fine folks at Verizon or AT and T are listening, we can hook you up. But Boost Mobile can get with Nextel and get the hell out of town. <laughs> Whose character are they screwing up worse, Finn Balor or Bray Wyatt's? Charlotte. Well. <laughs> 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 I, I actually do have questions about Charlotte that I wanted to get to in a little bit, so we'll we'll table that for a little. Uh, you know what? Let's get. We'll do it right now. I, I know with you know with Charlotte with, with Rick right now um, in the hospital. I, I don't know what that means for Charlotte SummerSlam, but we had talked about that, and I really had expected the program between Charlotte and Ronda Rousey to possibly start on Sunday. Well, that wasn't going to happen either way. Really? Uh, but she she's canceled from all appearances. Yeah. Uh, she's not going to make her Toys R Us appearance or any other promotional things that weekend. But to me, it's ridiculous that you've got, you know, the most decorated female on the roster. She's really dominated the division for the last two years and change. And she's not even on the show. Now, obviously, the situation where their dad dictates that now. But let's fast forward to last week. You know, she wasn't even on the show. Now, you could say... Well, maybe her and Becky were going to be on the pre-show. That's ridiculous. I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me, and I understand from a logical booking standpoint, on the one hand, you know, you, you need to develop people for her to have competitive matches with. And so you've got to build some people up in the minds of the fans because she has just kind of ran roughshod over the division. But why the hell is she a babyface? I mean, Ricky Steamboat should have never been a heel. And, and, and she should have never been a baby face. She is just a natural heel. She has resting bitch face by accident. She's just excellent. She is a real-life, modern-day Cruella DeVille. And I don't know how you screw that up, but somehow they have. And not only just she's really good as a heel, she's the best heel they have in the company. There's nobody yeah. that nobody wants to be hated more and is so so good at it than she is. And people would love to cheer because she's so talented and so Perhaps. great in the ring. But you just can't help it. Perhaps Stephanie McMahon. You know, Stephanie McMahon yes. comes out and people just have something hateable about her, similar to the way Vicky Guerrero did. And and there's nothing wrong with any of them as human beings. They just no. know how to – there's something about them, this quality that you can't quite put your finger on where you're like, 
oh man, she's just the worst. And 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 Ashley Charlotte has that, and it's a mistake to not have her in that spot. Hey, he calls her Ashley. John, the night that I I got to meet uh, Charlotte when when I went mm-hmm. out with Bruce and Conrad. Yeah, everybody there is calling her Ashley, and I'm the dumbass that sits there and goes, hey, Charlotte, can I get a pick? Fanboy. So, yeah. That's well, when you stand out as a mark, right? There. Right. I, I, in, in, in fairness, I knew her before she was she was Charlotte, and so it's just force a habit, you know? But it, it, if it makes you feel better, I still call Rick, you know, at, by, by Flair, not Fleer. So, you know, I still got that going, too, brother. <laughs> So back to the original question. There's a match between Finn Balor and Bray Wyatt on this card. Who whose character I guess are they screwing up more? Well, it's hard for me to say that they really screwed up either one. You know, both of the guys have been pretty successful. It feels like some of Finn Balor's momentum was lost with his injury last year. I'm hoping he's able to regain that. It felt like this time last year he was pretty hot and it feels like he's cooled quite a bit. You could argue that with Bray Wyatt, but Bray Wyatt has seemingly been stop and go for years now, and he always finds a way to just meander back towards the top. So I, I think this is more make or break for Finn Balor than it is Bray Wyatt because Bray has been up and down and all around, and he's still here. But I do think if Finn doesn't start to have some real definitive, you know, kind of standout moments, then fans may start to lose interest a little bit. Obviously, the demon character is over, but, you know, what are we going to do with it? And I feel like it's been a little bit stop and go uh, based on, you know, his injury situation for the last year. They also haven't used that entrance since he came back. I don't think I've, I don't recall seeing it one time since he's come back and they're finally well, going to do it this weekend. And I think it's smart to hold it off and use it for special occasions. But if his, if his performance this weekend is just the entrance, it makes you wonder, you know, how many people is it just going to be the one trick pony or, or can he deliver a big match? And a lot of people are saying, Oh, that's not fair because he's wrestling Bray Wyatt. But the reality is Bray Wyatt's a WWE superstar and not everybody's going to work that Japanese style. And so you've either got to be able to work that style and have a great match with that guy, or this just isn't the right seat on the bus for you. And I don't want that to be the case, but to me, if you really want to make a splash and put everybody in the best position for the company as a whole, Man, if this doesn't work, I'd put Finn Balor on 205 Live and center the whole show around him and make that his show and really, really try to drive network viewership and give it a whole different look and feel and make it the Finn Balor show. And I think it would do phenomenal. The, uh, the, let's go to the tag matches for this Sunday at Pay-Per-View uh, on SummerSlam. The New Day and the Usos are on the SmackDown side of things. That's already been announced as a pre-show match. You also have a, uh, the tag team of Cesaro and Sheamus going up against Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. This is, what, the third or fourth pay-per-view in a row now we've seen the New Day and the Usos. It really seems like the SmackDown roster is just depleted in that, in that area. I think tag titles should just be for one show. I don't think there's enough for two. And I think the women's title should just be for one show. I think it would have been better if we had all tags on one show and all women on the other. I think you would have more competitive matches and it wouldn't feel like it was just a rehash. And that is what we start to feel. You know, it felt like for a while there that the Cesaro-Sheamus duo was going to continually face Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy until one of us actually broke the TV, and that was the new Broken Hardys. Um, but 
but we're getting a new a new coat of paint with Seth and Dean. But I'm still, you know, wondering, does that tag team only exist because the 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 pool is so thin? You need to spread them out, uh, stop spreading them out, and get them all together and get them on one show. At least for me. I'm so pissed that they can't play the music on Saturday and that they or Sunday and that they couldn't play the music when Dean and Seth knocked fists in the center of the ring. That's just Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins having a tag team when they're trying to build it as the Shield reunion. I'm actually okay with it. You know, I think you can continue to tease it, and then when when it really does happen, I think it'll be huge. Uh, and then I look forward to one day, and I think it's worthwhile to eventually, you know, with the right story, it ought to main event a pay-per-view. Like, and by pay-per-view, I mean WrestleMania. I think it would be really cool, you know, in a couple of years to see the Shield on top in a three-way. What a fun story that would be. That'd be very cool. Yeah, the uh, so and it does seem like they they're going with the tag titles in on SummerSlam in place of putting the Miz on the show because it did seem like Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins were feuding with the Miz and then suddenly thrown into Cesaro and Sheamus. Is that a mistake given how hot the Miz has been lately? I mean, I think there's lots of mistakes right now, but mostly it's based on you've got so much talent and you've got to fit it all on one show. Even when you make it a four hour show and you put a pre-show with it, there's still just so much. I, I do think you could have culled another match here or there. But I don't think The Miz will be any worse for wear. The Miz has been kind of disrespected in his role and his contributions for the better part of the last decade. This is just another slight. But in the end, you know, he's going to be a, a featured player on whatever program he's on because he's reliable. The WWE knows every time he goes out, he hits a home run with his verbiage. His matches are always at least good. And, and he's going to be a consistent performer, whereas some other, some other guys run hot and cold. Miz is money every time. Does he deserve a chance at the top again to main event? Yeah, I mean, I think you could get into that, but I also don't think it's necessary. I think he might actually be more valuable to the company as kind of being the barometer of are you a top guy or not. And, you know, he's kind of the gatekeeper. And I think that's a really cool role because it shows that the company really, really values you. Some of my favorite performers as a kid never got there. You know, Jake the Snake Roberts, the big boss man, Ted DiBiase, Mr. Perfect. They never got there, but that doesn't mean that they were any less talented. You know, in the end, it's basically, hey, who do we think, you know, we need to have there? But you've got to have somebody right underneath getting those guys ready to be there. And I think Miz has positioned himself to be there, which means he'll have, you know, a longer career. Because if he was on top and he starts to lose a little bit, then people say, oh, well, they've lost confidence in him. Now he's off a of pay-per-view, and he'll be in a primetime angle the very next week on TV, and it won't matter. We, uh, we touched on the women, uh, women portion of the, uh, of the pay-per-view a little earlier, at least the women's division. Uh, two matches on the card, Naomi and Natalia, uh, Naomi the champion going in, Alexa Bliss the champion against Sasha Banks, and that, do, that is due to Bailey's injury. Uh, either one of these stand out more than the other, for, uh, for you? Well, I mean, I think the crowd's going to be on fire for um, the Sasha Banks-Alexa Bliss match. You know, all of a sudden, Alexa's one of the most popular women in the company, and we all know that Brooklyn loves Sasha. So that ought to be a pretty good match. It'll be interesting to see how their styles mesh. Sasha, when she has the right opponent, can have a phenomenal match. I can't say right off the top of my head that I've seen 
a really blow away match from Alexa Bliss yet, but her character kind of carries the, the heavy water for her. So we'll see what they do there. I'm really looking forward to, you know, seeing what Natalia can put together though, because Natalia has been criminally underrated. Uh, this entire women's revolution has seemingly not been as focused on her as it could have been because the person they pushed right out of the gate was Charlotte. And the match that put her on the map was against Natalia in NXT. So It'll be interesting to see, you know, what magic she can create with Naomi, who has also maybe not been given enough mic time or enough personality that fans can really identify with her. They love the gimmick, but what can we see bell to bell? I think Natalia is going to tear the house down this weekend. We like to all, everybody seems to beat up the 205 live because it's, it's just, it's so strange. The whole cruiserweight division is almost treated like it's not good enough for raw this past. Did you, did you, Watched the the Tazawa Neville match. On I was at the hospital Monday and Tuesday, okay. so I didn't have a chance to see any. Of I will that. tell you, go back if you get a chance before the weekend and watch that match. I've been down and disappointed in the in the cruiserweight stuff, mainly because everybody does everything, so the cruiserweight division isn't special like it once was, where they did things that nobody else on the card did. Everybody now does their stuff, but they had red ropes. They didn't have the different mat. They had a mat. They, they had they had time, and they had as good a cruiserweight match as probably the best one that other than than Neville and Austin Aries that I've seen since they've had this whole secondary show with the uh, with the cruiserweights. Joe, did you get it? You you watched it. I was I was excited about it. Did you did you see what I saw? I just I don't understand why they they gave that match away on Monday. I don't get why they did the Bray fit. I mean, I get now because they're going to have the demon come out, but I just I don't get why they had matches that were on the card for SummerSlam done before the Monday before. That's that's as dumb as when they have the rematches or they have the match again the following Monday on Raw right after. It's just you you're building up these and I know, you know, you're not trying to get people to play pay, you know, fifty dollars like you used to. It's just ten bucks a month. But I just I don't get some of the booking and this one I really just don't understand. Well, I'll tell you, just as a comment about the match, I, I haven't seen it, but I don't think anybody who's ever knocked two oh five live necessarily knocked the guys or their ability to put on a match. They've kind of been doomed by the WWE just based on the way they've been positioned to go ahead and have their show be done to a live crowd right after SmackDown ends is doing it a disservice. You could open with that, you know, if if that aired before SmackDown or they just taped it before SmackDown and played it on a tape delay right after, I think it would be perceived totally different. The live crowd would be much more into it. But a three-hour show is exhausting, especially when, you know, the old formula is, hey, if we're going to make them sit and wait for three hours, they're going to get the best thing last. They're going to get the biggest star last. John Cena's last. Hulk Hogan's last. Whatever it may be. And they're still trying to do that with a dark match, but I just don't think it translates the way it used to. And I'd like to see them, you know, give that another shot. I would encourage them to just try to, you know, shoot it a different style. Make it feel more underground. Make it feel more indie. Maybe even give us 205 live matches from house shows and just compile them for a weekly show. I'd be all into that, and I think most fans would be. And finally, Conrad, as we uh, wrap things up here on a little SummerSlam pre- preview show, the uh, the Fatal 4-Way. We, we touched on it at the beginning. 
it it was you know they they were leading this way for a very long time of having these four huge men in the ring at SummerSlam and leading up to it I thought it was pretty clear that Brock Lesnar was going to lose but then they threw that little that that little stipulation in there Paul Heyman announces that he and Brock leave if they don't leave with the belt and that kind of does have me wondering who might end up leaving with the uh, with the belt who do you think leaves? Who do you think deserves, uh, and who, or who do you think deserves to leave? And if Brock does leave, how long do you think he's gone for? Well, I'll tell you. Two weeks ago, I would have given a different answer. Two weeks ago, I would have said John Jones is fighting Brock Lesnar on December thirtieth, and he's going to drop the belt here, and then come back at Royal Rumble, have a match, and that'll set up WrestleMania. That may still happen. But now I think, just based on the way they've booked this, that Brock Lesnar will find a way to win the match and keep the belt uh, and then maybe lose it the next night. Uh, That's what I would suspect. But if that doesn't happen and he does lose it, I think it'll be similar to the way we saw Brock react after uh, Los Angeles or San Francisco, that WrestleMania, where the next night on Raw, he just came out and destroyed everybody, and that gave him a little time off. Um him saying he's going to leave doesn't mean he can't, you know, come through the crowd the next night and just kick everybody's ass and leave. Uh, and that be a reason for someone to kind of call him out after his UFC fight, if that's the direction they're going. But I do think this match has more intrigue than most just because of Brock Lesnar. So where there's a lot of fans who say, oh, Brock shouldn't be champion, you wouldn't have the interest in, in a main event match like you do right now if Brock Lesnar weren't in it. Because he's got one foot out the door. He knows how to manipulate the WWE and the UFC to get more money and leverage for himself. It's the most interesting match on the card for me simply because nobody knows what to expect. And I think that's why we all watch at the end of the day. Man, Brock, Brock makes that belt and makes this match bigger than it would be with, without him. He brings a mystique to that belt that you can't get with anybody else because they're going to put everybody else on TV every week. Roman Reigns has the belt. That belt's on TV. Every single week, twice a week, at least in some cases. But when Brock's around, it's special. And that makes that belt even more special. I don't know. Why why would anyone think he shouldn't have that belt? And he's the most believable champion. You know, to me, I think you could have uh, Roman and and Samoa Joe be involved in the finish. And maybe you have Samoa Joe get the victory over Roman. And that sets up a pay-per-view down the road. And then... Uh, Strowman and Lesnar to just kind of take each other out. And, you know, that way Brock can argue he didn't really lose his belt. Uh, and then you can, you know, do something with with um, Roman and Samoa Joe. I mean, there's no wrong answer here. Any of these guys are going to be, uh, you know, interesting to be carrying that belt and all the potential matchups that it presents. But the question of will he or won't he with Brock in the UFC is the most intriguing storyline on Sunday. Conrad, we appreciate the time that you've given us uh, tonight. I, and I do want to give a quick plug uh, because we'll be, we'll be posting this online soon, but it, uh, a lot of people might not hear it until it airs on Sunday. But on Friday, you will, uh, it's the Razor Ramon show, right? Uh, on, the, uh, on something to wrestle. That's right. Something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard is going to be all about the bad guy, Razor Ramon, and his time in the WWF. Does that include it's fake this Razor? Friday at noon, and you can check it out at somethingtowrestle.com. Does that include fake Razor Ramon? Because you're, it's not Scott Hall that you, you're promoting. You're promoting Razor Ramon. 
Nah, we're just doing the Scott Hall version. We'll save the fake razor for another time. And then uh, upcoming Monday after the the Monday after SummerSlam, on what happened when with Tony Schiavone, it's it's all about the enforcer Arn Anderson, who uh, who had a little TV, uh, had a little appearance on SmackDown uh, two weeks ago. Arn Anderson is one of the most underrated, if not the most underrated wrestler of all time. And a great friend of Tony Schiavone's, and uh, we look forward to talking about him in long form. Probably about two hours worth on the great career and times he spent traveling with Tony Schiavone. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of laughs. It usually is with Tony, and you can catch that Monday on your ride in, 6 a.m. Eastern, uh, and it's easy to find. It's MLWRadio.com. How many Tommy Young references do you think are going to happen on Monday? We only got two in this week. Uh, we had to tape early because I'll be in New York for our live shows with Bruce Pritchard. Tickets are available for the Sunday show at boxofgimmicks.com if you're into that sort of thing. Uh, but I, I think we only referenced Tommy Young twice this week. So we got we got to pump those numbers up next week. Those are rookie numbers. <laughs> Conrad, thank you so much, man. Uh, safe travels this weekend, and look forward to catching up with you soon. Thanks for having me on, guys. We appreciate the opportunity to come on and promote the show. And anytime we can help, we'd love to. Thanks, man.